Okay, I want everybody to turn to Genesis this morning. The book of Genesis. We're going to be in chapter 3 this morning. I'm sorry. Genesis chapter 3. I'm thinking up here, and when I think, sometimes I can't talk. That's not a good thing, is it? Uh, and then my microphone went in my cup of water. Hang on. Oh, there's so many things to remember while you're up here. Okay, all right. So, we're in, what book are we in again? <laughs> Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. I love to know that I'm not alone, and... Um, he he is he goes before me. He's the defender behind me. Uh, he is he's just all over us, isn't he? All in us, all over us, all around us. And that is good to know. Good to know. This morning um, we're going to be talking about how we need to check our vision. He said as he cleaned his glasses. Check our vision, and check our source. Check our vision and check our source. And so we're going to talk and we're going to speak about some things that took place in Genesis. And we know Genesis is the account of creation, but what, what else do we know about Genesis? What's a pretty important thing that took place in the book of Genesis? Anybody got any ideas? Creation, yeah. And what else? The fall of man. Uh, sin entered the picture didn't it? And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. And before we do, I want to I want to share this story with you. And I want you to think about think about this summer. It's been pretty warm at times, has it not? Uh, have any of you been uh, as one as a waitress that I once had asked me? Have any of you ever been perched <laughs> or parched? She said perched. I will never forget that. We, 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 were drinking, uh, we were drinking water, and we had both downed both cups of water. And she walks over and goes, golly, y'all must be perched. And it wasn't a fish camp either. Okay, so anyway, I love that, and I don't know, that endeared her to me right then and there. She, just, she was one of my southern sisters, amen? Amen. All right. So let's think about water and how important it is that at times we have water. Uh, for those of us who are diabetic and we've ever woken up with cotton mouth, you know what cotton mouth is. Yeah, yeah, it's not a snake. It is just you have got to get water in your mouth or you're going to dry up from the inside out. Basically, is how you feel. This is a story about a group of soldiers that were traveling down the Tennessee River during the Civil War after one of the great battles of the Civil War. And it was uh, the spring of the year, the water was not clear, but the men that were injured on this boat were calling for water. They were going, water, we need water, we're thirsty. And when you're, when you're injured, when you're bleeding, uh, and you have those types of things going on, you want water. Uh, water is life-giving. And one, one particular soldier had a glass, and he he d dumped it down into the, mu the muddy water, the dirty water of the river, and he handed it to one of the soldiers. And this soldier took a sip, 
of the water, and a sip is all he took. And he handed the, the water back, and he said, Oh, what I wouldn't give for a drink of water from my father's well. Oh, what I wouldn't give for a drink of water from my, water, my father's well. And in the spiritual realm, what that, what that can mean and what we understand it to mean is that we have a longing within us that can only be satisfied by God. Do you understand that? Does that make sense? We, we draw from His well because He provides living water. And that is a thirst that we have that only He can quench and only He can satisfy. And what I want to talk about this morning is how, how, how amazing it is, how interesting really that it is, that we get shaken when things that we take for granted like water and power, when those things are gone, it just turns our world upside down, doesn't it? When we can't flush the toilet or we can't take a shower or we can't get a glass of water because there is no water, when we can't see turn the lights on because there's no electricity. It just turns our, our world upside down. And when, it, when we have it, we take it for granted. We don't think either about all that it takes to get these modern conveniences into our house either. Do you ever think about what it takes to get good, clear water out of your faucet? I've read a story once, and I can't remember the particulars of this story, but I do remember this. There were some people that had come from a, a third-world country into a, a, a country that had all the amenities. They, they stayed in a hotel, and they were just amazed that water had come out of these faucets. And so they ended up, before they left, they were trying to take the faucets off of the fixture, off the walls and the sinks in the bathroom because they felt like if they could take the fixtures back home with them that they would have water. So we don't think about where this water comes from, do we? We just, we just kind of take it for granted. And Adam and Eve had a similar situation in the garden. Because at, in the garden, before the bad stuff took place, God was their source. He was the source. And He was all that they needed. And it seems as if they took that for granted in that one moment when they decided to do something that forever changed the course of humanity. But God was reliable. He was constant, and he was always good to them. All of these things. And yet they chose to give that up. They chose to give that up when they had an opportunity to go against his will for their lives. Because there was an enemy that came into this picture, and we know the story well, and we know who this enemy was. His name was Lucifer, and he was bent on polluting God in their eyes. He wanted them not to look at God as always good. He wanted them to look at God a little bit differently. So what I want to do is I want to read just a couple of verses of Scripture from chapter 3 of Genesis. And we're going to take a look at that moment when Lucifer offered the temptation and when our ancestor Eve decided to give in to that and what her reaction was when he gave her an opportunity to consider something other than what God had for. So let's look at Genesis chapter 3. We're going to read verses 6 and 7, just two verses to start us off. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, 
she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat and the eyes of them both were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. So from this point, we can preach any number of sermons. There are hundreds and hundreds of directions that we can go in from that, from that point right there. But what I want to focus in on is just one simple truth. And I want us to understand this because this goes with, with this story and with everything else that takes place after it. And that is this, that you and I were never created to be self-sufficient. You and I were never created to be self-sufficient. And that is a truth that we all need to understand. Because even today, thousands of years later, we are still trying to do it our way. And we are still trying to get, get to where we need to go on our own, by our own merit, by our own abilities. When he has already, already taken care of everything. We were never meant to run on our own power. I know we say sometimes things like, boy, I'm glad we've got church on Wednesday nights because I like to get my batteries recharged. But we don't really have a battery that just needs to be charged from Sunday morning to Sunday morning, do we? That's not really how we're made up. That's not how we are designed because we are designed to be constantly plugged in, constantly plugged in to a power source. We are designed to be constantly plugged in to a power source. That's what our Creator intended. And here's the danger. If we are not plugged in to Him as our source, but we're plugged into anything else as our source, then we're in danger and bad things can happen. Now, if you've ever traveled overseas, you, you, there's a good example of this, and you may know this. In Europe... Uh, if you took your, let's just say you took your phone charger and your phone with you to Europe. And if you tried to plug in your charger into an outlet in Europe, you're going to fry your charger and or your phone. Why is that? Why would that happen? Well, it's because in America, our power grids are designed to deliver 110 volts in most of our outlets. Now, there are exceptions. There are those funny-looking outlets that you plug your dryer and special ranges and different appliances to that you couldn't plug your phone charger into. It wouldn't fit. But there are, are certain different kinds here in America. That's, that's true. But for the majority, everything runs off 110 volts. But in Europe, it runs their, their power grids deliver 220 volts. That's twice as much. So if you try to plug your charger in, if you try to plug your phone in, it's going to fry your charger and or your phone, and you're going to have an expensive problem. You have to get some type of a converter to be able to do that and use that over there. So we are like that. We are like that as well, spiritually speaking, because we have an enemy. And we know who that enemy is. And his primary goal is to get us plugged into the wrong source. He is trying to get us plugged into the wrong source. That is important that we understand that. It is his goal to mess your life up. He wants to, if you're a Christian, he wants to mess with your life. He wants to get you looking at other things other than God, which leads us to that self-sufficient way of living, which is never how God intended us. 
to live. But here's something else we've got to get. Not only is he trying to get us to do that, but you've got to remember this, and this is good news. He cannot touch your power cord, <laughs> okay? He can't actually make you plug in to the wrong source. He can't do that, but he can talk you into changing it yourself. He can talk you into not looking to God and looking to the things of God. He can talk you into looking at the world and the ways of the world instead. So he doesn't have the ability to unplug us from God as our power source, but he can, he can talk us into using the wrong outlet, which is what he sees his mission in our lives as Christians to be. So that's what's going on here in Genesis chapter 3. He's thinking, if I can get them plugged into a different power source other than the source that they've always known, which is God, then I'm on my way to something big here. And that was his intention. So let's take a look at these couple of verses, and let's see what happened and how. Let's take a look at how it's happening in my life and yours every single day. Every single day. So the first thing we want to talk about is this, and I, I mentioned in the title you know, we need to check our vision. He wants us, he wants to lower our vision. He wants to mess with our vision. I've got a, uh, I've got a phone charger on my nightstand at home. And it's a cordless charger, which means there's a disc that I can just lay my phone on and it will charge my phone. And I love it because I don't have to plug it in. And, you know, you can always mess that plug up and then you have to buy a new and blah, blah, blah. But with my charger, there's a disc, and all I have to do is I just drop my phone onto it, and it charges. So here's the problem. When the lights are already out and my phone is dead, I have to try to find where the phone goes. And, you know, sometimes that's hard to do. And the way that our bedroom is set up, we have a lamp on our nightstand, but it's not one of those that has the switch on the right underneath the light bulb itself, it's got a little flip switch on the cord. You know what I'm talking about? And that cord is on the other side of the nightstand, which means I will actually have to get out of bed a little bit to turn that lamp on. I don't want to do that because I'm lazy sometimes. Now, when I'm in the bed, I want to stay in the bed. and I don't even want to reach over because there's the possibility I'll fall out of bed and things like that. But here's the deal. I, I was trying to put the phone on the charger, and I missed the nightstand completely, and the, the phone hit the cord that the disc is plugged into the wall with, hit the cord and unplugged the cord from the wall, and then where was I? I don't know where my phone is because it's flipped around somewhere, and now I'm going to have to try to figure out how to plug the charger back up. And it's behind the nightstand, so I do have to lean out of the bed a little bit, and I have to fumble around. And how many of you have ever struggled with plugging something in that's behind a couch or a table or something like that? And you like you get one prong in, but you don't get them both in. And then you got it upside down or backwards. And, and, and you just sit there and you're constantly trying to get it in there. And, and I fumbled and I fumbled with it and I finally got it in. And I reached around and found my phone and I got it on the charger and everything was fine. But this took about, it seemed like forever, but it probably took about three or four minutes. And it could have easily been remedied if I would have gotten up, turned the lamp on, and stuck it on there, right? Or if I hadn't let my phone die, I'd still have a little bit of light so I could see what I was doing. 
But anyway, that you know, I was thinking about that as I was studying this week, and that is really exactly what Satan tries to get us to do. He wants to lower our ability to see clearly where and what we are plugging into. Does that make sense? He wants to lower our ability to see where and what we are plugging into. That's his goal. That's what he wants to do. And that's what happened in this story with Eve. That's what he did with her. He got her to take her eyes off of the command that God had given her. And in the questions and in the things that he said, he caused her to doubt God's intentions. He caused her to doubt God's goodness. And he caused her to doubt God's provision for herself and for Adam. So that's why her vision was lowered. Because prior to this, she saw God as only good. She saw God as only good. And she saw him as her only source of strength and her only source of truth. But when Satan offered the, op- the opportunity for a second choice, he dangled that in front of her and she took it. So let me interject this in right here. What are you looking for for strength in your life? Where do you go for strength in your life? Where do you go for truth in your life? We all know what Googling something is. We like to Google things to get answers to our questions, don't we? Have you ever considered taking your question and going to the Word of God and, and exploring the Word of God and see what it says? What about strength? You know, I'm all about some ibuprofen when I got some pain going on in my life. I love ibuprofen. I like acetaminophen a little bit less. And when I'm really hurting, which I haven't had to have this really since I had my wisdom tooth taken out, uh, uh, what is it? Aleve. Aleve really does it for me. I can't take a lot of pain medication because it makes me nauseous. But I'm getting into all this with y'all. Y'all know everything about me now. But I love ibuprofen because it just usually knocks anything out. But, you know, it's not what gives me strength. God is what gives me strength. But sometimes we rely too heavily and lean too heavily on things of this world. I'm not telling you to stop taking ibuprofen. Don't see me as saying that. But I'm asking us to look at ourselves. Where do we go? Where do we go for strength? Where do we go for truth? When the opportunity is given to us to either choose God or choose something of the world, where are we going? What are we doing? How how are we making that decision? What she did is she began to focus on the creation instead of the creator. Looking at creation instead of the creator. And that's what started her going down the wrong path. And that's our problem as well. That's what starts us going down the wrong path to sin. And that is not looking to the Creator, but looking to creation instead. So let's take a look. Let's take a look at how Eve progressed down this road to sin and how she began to focus on the things of this world instead of focusing on God. And before we're too hard on her, let's realize that this is the same path that you and I take when we head down the road to sin. We're still taking that same road today. Now, in our scripture, we read that she saw the fruit, and she saw that it was good for food. She looked at it, looks good. 
that's okay. I hate to pick on the diabetics today, but when when you're looking at the menu and you see something that's loaded with carbs or sugar, is that a good choice for us? It's not, is it? I mean, it's something we want, but it's not the best thing for us. But it looks good. It's good for food. You can eat it. It's edible. I've had that before. It was really good. I'm looking at that, and that's good for food. But if I eat that, if I don't take enough insulin, my blood sugar is going to rise, and I'm not going to feel good. I'm going to get lethargic, or I'm going to not, I'm going to feel nauseous, and my blood sugar is going to get high. And then high, high blood sugars over a period of time can lead to other things, blah, blah, blah. You all know these you all know these things. But she looked at the fruit and she saw that it was good for food. Let's look at Genesis one twenty nine. Let's look at what God had told them. Genesis one twenty nine says, And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed, which is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree in the which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed. To you it shall be for meat. So I've given you all this all these plants and all these trees, and they're going to bear fruit and 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 you can eat these things. All these things you can eat. And then he says something in Genesis 2, 16 and 17 to give further instruction. Uh, Genesis chapter 2, verses 16 and 17. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. So a boundary has been set. There are parameters now. Don't eat this. Don't eat this. Our doctors and our dietitians, diabetics, fellow diabetics, have told us, don't eat the cake. <laughs> don't eat the cookies. Don't eat this and don't eat that. Or eat it in moderation. But he's saying, you've got all this to eat, but don't eat this. You've got all of this to eat, but don't eat this. So... In looking at this tree, Eve saw the fruit. And in the innocence of her eyes, you could imagine that she thinks maybe, well, that fruit looks like all the other fruit. And I can eat all this other fruit, but I can't eat that fruit. And she's probably trying to reconcile all that within her mind. And it's not like the tree was surrounded by cackling demons or a really dark storm cloud either. Right. There's nowhere in the Bible that says that, right? So it wasn't like stay away from the evil tree with the demons in the dark cloud. It wasn't like that. But it was stay away from that tree because God said to stay away from that tree. Stay away from places like this, young people, because it's not good for you to go there. Bad things can happen. Adults, don't get involved in these activities because it will take you down a road you don't want to go and it will affect your family and everybody that knows you. It's kind of the same thing kind of the same situation so eve saw that it was good for food so what satan did is he used the promise and the provision of god because god had provided and god had promised that it was all theirs except for that but he used the promise and the provision of god and he twisted it just enough just a little bit to get eve to consider going against god's command how does God twist, or how does Satan twist it for us? Nobody will find out. It's just this once. So and so is a Christian, and they've done it. All sorts of things that the father of lies can do. 
But she saw that it was good, that it was good for food. What else did she see? She saw that it was pleasing to the eye. Pleasing to the eye. Okay. So here's where, as a church, I believe that we have done a disservice to the world. Because we have, many times, denied the pleasure of sin. We have denied the pleasure of sin. Think about that for just a minute. Especially those of us who are a little bit older. Do you, do you feel like the church has done a good job of explaining to the world and to Christians that sin is pleasurable and that sin is enjoyable? Or have we tried to persuade people to stay away from it because it's bad and you won't enjoy it? And it's, you know, we've tried to explain what could happen if you got involved. But here's the deal. Sin is pleasurable, either, either emotionally or physically or both. Sin is pleasurable. But here's the deal. For a season. For a season, it is pleasurable. So the enticement that Eve was given is the same enticement that we are given. The same temptation that Eve was given is the same temptation that you and I are given. I read an article from uh, Leadership Magazine. It was written by a pastor who did a lot of traveling. And he, he traveled around and he did uh, revival meetings. And he was a, a very high-profile, much sought-after pastor. And in this article, which was written anonymously, by the way, in this article, he talked about how for 10 years on the road, traveling from meeting to meeting, he struggled with lust and he struggled with pornography until after a 10-year period, he was freed from that situation and from that problem. Now, that's, that's upsetting, isn't it? That's upsetting to us because our leaders, our pastors, our teachers... We do put them up on a pedestal, and we do expect a certain way of living from them. And this pedestal placement is dangerous because I am no different than you. You are no different than me. We all have struggle. We all are offered the same opportunity that Eve was offered. We all are. And another thing that's shocking about this is that this article was written in 1983. So, 30-some years later, I think, I'm not doing my math clearly, I don't think, but many years later, do you think things have gotten worse with the advent of the Internet and with the ease of the information that we can get? It certainly has. And it has become an epidemic for many, many people. But I want you to consider this. It is very easy for us to dismiss people, people that we look up to, especially leaders who fall into sin. It's very easy for us to dismiss them as hypocrites and liars and failures and cowards. But to dismiss the sinner denies a very obvious truth, and that is this, that sin is attractive, it looks good to the eyes, and it feels good for a season. We have to admit that. We have to understand that, and we have to agree with that. And our message, the church's message, needs to be this. I want you to listen closely. Sin may very well feel good now, but sin is something that you buy on credit, and eventually you will have to pay, and it will 
cause suffering. Did that make sense? All sin. All sin. So we need to avoid sin. So again, God said, stay away from this. Because he knew what would happen. And what would happen? Well, we'll we'll talk about that. The next thing that we see in her progression down this road to sin is that Eve, she disregarded what God said because she desired to know the things that she was not able to handle knowing. She desired to know things that she was not created to know. Think about that. For How does that apply to you and me? Sin gives us a knowledge of evil. Sin gives us a knowledge of evil that God never equipped us to handle. I read about a pastor uh, who said he, when he and his wife got saved, they had a, a Christian couple that was mentoring them and that was counseling them. They spent a lot of time with this couple, and this couple was uh, instrumental in helping them in their, their journey uh, to becoming a pastor and a pastor's wife. And the, of that couple, the wife's name was Tammy. Let's call her Tammy. Not because we have a Tammy here, no correlation whatsoever. Uh, let's just say her name is T-A-M-M-I-E, not T-A-M-M-Y. But anyway, uh, they would talk about how their lives had changed since they became Christians, but they also talked about how sin was running rampant in their lives before they got saved. But Tammy would talk about how in high school, she think, gosh, I think I probably cussed like twice. And she was so ashamed of that. And he's like rolling his eyes. Oh, good, Miss Goody Two-Shoes here. I only said two curse words her whole high school career. And, you know, that was his response to that, which would probably be many of us would have that same response. But he said he learned a truth later on, and that was this. He learned this truth that she was blessed to not know some of the things that he knew. She was blessed that she didn't know the depths and the depravity of and the knowledge that sin offers and that, that sin gives. We were never equipped to know those things, to know these things. So we're in Genesis. All the way on the other end of the Bible in Revelation, we read about a church called the Church of Thyatira. And there was a problem at this church. And the problem was this, that they were tolerating rampant sexual sin and the leader of all of this was a woman named Jezebel don't name your daughter Jezebel women (laughs) I don't know of a good Jezebel in the Bible so anyway um, you know at at the end of this particular uh, letter to the church of Thyatira Jesus said that he would never burden the church with Satan's secrets or with the depths of Satan I want you to look at Revelation 2.24. He said this, But unto you I say, and unto the rest in Thyatira, as many as have not this doctrine, and which have not known the depths of Satan as they speak, I will put upon you none other burden. So in this context here, the deep secrets, the depths of Satan that Jesus is talking about is a full awareness of, of, of and the horror and the darkness of sexual depravity that none of us 
were equipped, are equipped, and none of us were created to know. However, here's the problem with every sin that Satan offers up to us, tied to those sins are the deep secrets of Satan, are the depths of Satan for us to know and for us to see that we were never created for. And here's something else that God has given us. He has given us curiosity. And sometimes we just have to know what's behind that curtain that God has pulled closed for our protection. That's what happened with Eve. She wanted to know. That's what happens with us. When we go down that road and we commit that sin, we want to know what's behind that curtain. We want to see that. And see, that's key in understanding that God has put prohibitions and God has put boundaries in this life for you and for me for protection. Why would He want to protect us? Because He loves us. And He knows what's best for us. He wants to protect our vision because He knows that what we see with our eyes immediately latches itself onto our hearts. And He wanted to spare us from going through that. So, in protecting our vision, He keeps us from harm because He is a loving God and He loves us. And we have this common misconception, some people do, that God is a God that wants to keep us from enjoying life. He wants to keep us from enjoying this life. But let me tell you, that is not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible wants you to enjoy the life that He's given you. And again, that's why these boundaries have been put into place. And without the teachings of the Bible, without the moral teachings of the Word of God, when we take in the things of the world, it's like pouring concrete into something without a form to hold it. It's just, it's just a mess. It's going to go everywhere. I remember we went on a prayer retreat one time, and we were making cornbread, and we didn't have a cast iron skillet. And you got to have a cast iron skillet to make a good old cake of cornbread because it makes the, cru- the crunchy, crusty edges. Is your mouth watering now? And so all we did was we just mixed the batter and we just poured it into a cookie sheet. And it just looked like a big old splat of batter. And we stuck it in the oven and we, we made it, we baked it. And we took it out and when we took it out it looked like a big old splat of cornbread. And it didn't look good and it tasted okay but I was missing those edges that would have been there if we'd had a cast iron skillet. You know, without those borders to, to hold it in place and make it what it needed to be, it's just not what it could be. You know what I'm saying? That's not a good illustration. Jesus gives a better illustration when he said that it's not a good idea to pour new wine into old wine skins. Because when you put the new wine into the old wine skins, the wine will ferment and will expand, and it will cause the wine skins to burst, and you're going to ruin the wine, and you're going to ruin the skins. So when we take in these, when we plug into the wrong source, and we take in the things of this world that we're not supposed to take in, it does something to us, and it hurts us, and it damages us in ways that wouldn't have taken place if we'd have listened to God in the first place. Listen to what he said. And we know the rest of the story. We know what happened. Their eyes were open. But what were their eyes open to see? What did they see? Well, 
I think that uh, I think everybody's probably familiar or may have heard this saying that information in and of itself is not bad. It's how you use that information that's good or bad. Let me say that again. Information itself is not good or bad. It's how you use that information that's good or bad. I believe the Bible tells us something different. I believe that the Bible indicates that there were clearly things that you and I were never, ever meant to know. There were things that our eyes were never meant to see. There were things that our ears were never meant to hear. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. Be careful, little ears, what you hear. Be careful, little feet, where you go. What a great little song to teach our kids. We were designed for one power source. And when we put that power source into the wrong outlet, it tortures our souls, it tortures our spirits, and it leaves us broken, and it leaves us useless. Much like plugging a phone charger into a 220, it's going to fry, it's going to mess it up, it's not going to be worth anything. And we might feel like this new information that we're getting when we sin, this new experience that we're having, we may feel like it liberates us, but in reality what it's doing is it is blinding us to our spiritual condition. Blinding us to our spiritual condition. Satan's intent for you and for me is to cloud my vision so I can't see God anymore, but I'm seeing everything else. That's his intention. And when Adam and Eve ate the forbidden fruit, that's what happened to them. That's what happened to them. They were not able to see things that they once could see. They were not able to see things the way that they once saw them. Because you have to understand, they were at one with God in the garden. He was their source. But when they sinned and when they went against what he said, things changed. They didn't see things the same way. They didn't see things with the same eyes. And so you and I are born with the ability to see with our eyes, to see with our human eyes that we have. We have these eyes of flesh, and we can see the world around us. But for people who have come to know Christ personally, for those of us who know Jesus as Lord and Savior, something has changed and something is different. We have the ability to see with the eyes of the Holy Spirit what's going on around us. And what we should be doing our whole lives is trying to perfect that ability to see things the way the Holy Spirit sees things. And we understand this because we write songs that say things like, Once I was blind, but now I can see. Imagine that Adam and Eve had this already in the garden. But when they did what they did, they lost that ability. And another thing is, something that happened is that they were no longer at one with God. Their, their innocence, their, their perfection, so to speak, was there because of the manifold presence of God around them and filling them. They were at one with him. They walked with him in the cool of the day. And when they sinned, that immediately left. That left and that was gone. And that was the nakedness that they saw. They were able to see things that they hadn't seen before. At one minute, the fullness of God was with them. The next, it was gone. Now, let's think about that for just a minute. Probably everybody in here has experienced the loss of a loved one, whether it's a parent, a grandparent, 
a sibling, a child, uh, a friend. We've all experienced that. And, you know, that loss and that emptiness, we carry that with us the rest of our lives, don't we? We do. And the only thing that can fill that void is God himself. And one, another thing that's, that's good to have and, and I'm thankful for are the memories that God has given us with those people, the things that, that we enjoy together. But imagine for a minute that your entire existence was one of knowing the fullness of God constantly. Your entire existence was one of knowing God fully and knowing God constantly as your only power source. And then suddenly, bam, it's gone. It's gone. And I think of one other person in all of the Bible that experienced something similar to this, something that caused him to say, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? But here is our God. Our God has provided a way for us to go from not being plugged into him as a power source because we are all born sinners But we can go from that to a place where we know His presence and we experience His presence constantly when we place our faith and trust in Him. And once we do that, we will never experience, ever, ever, never, never, ever, never, ever experience what Adam and Eve went through. And so the the story of Adam and Eve, while it's chilling and frightening in some respects, is still a story of grace, isn't it? It's a story of grace because we know that his plan, even before events of the Garden of Eden, his plan before all of that was to provide his son as a sacrifice for our sins so that once we place our faith and trust in him and what he did and the fact that he rose again, that he was the son of God, that we would never have to experience life without him ever again. And no matter how the enemy tries to get us to take our eyes off of God, and no matter how he tries to get us to plug into the world and all that it offers instead of God and what he offers, he will never be able to remove the presence of God from our lives, ever. So I hope he enjoyed that one time in the Garden of Eden, because that was it, wasn't it? And he is defeated already, isn't he? Christ is victorious. So even though this seems like a story of loss and a story of sadness, we also see it as a story of grace because his whole idea, his whole idea and his promise to them and his promise to us as their ancestors was that he wanted to provide a way to restore what had been lost and to do a little bit of a revision, revision, to give us those spiritual eyes again, to see things the way that the Holy Spirit sees them. That was his plan all along. His plan wasn't just to throw us down here and leave us to the wolves, so to speak, or to the wolf. His plan was to create us, to put us on this earth, and give us the opportunity to receive the greatest gift that has ever been given, his son, Jesus Christ. And once we receive that gift, he will not take it back. We cannot lose it. And not that we would ever want to, but we can't return it either. It's ours for good. Is that good news? It absolutely is. 
So we see in this, and it all boils down to this, that what, what the devil intended for bad, some good came out of it, didn't it? The good came out of it, didn't it? And it shows you and me that we are not meant to be self-sufficient. We are not meant to be those types of people or creation, a creation that is able to, to do life on their own without any divine intervention, without any need for any help from God. And yet there are people out there today that are living that way and they feel like that is what they're supposed to do and they feel like they're good at it and they feel like they don't need anything else. And that is because of this. They are plugged in to the wrong power source. They are plugged in to the wrong power source. The only power source that they know and that is the power source of Satan himself. Because if you are not a friend of God, you are an enemy of God. If you are not in a part of the kingdom of light, you are a part of the kingdom of darkness. But the invitation is open to accept the gift to go from that side to this side. From the dark to the light. And guess who the invitation bearers are? That's you and me. We have the good news to go out and to tell people about Jesus. And are we doing that? Are we doing that? If we're plugged into the wrong power source, we're probably not doing it. If we are involved so much in the things of this world that we don't have time for the things of God, then we're probably not doing it. So what we need to do to make that happen? Satan has a way of... We mentioned this last week. He has a way of offering something up to us and then chastising us for taking the bait that he offers us. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, come on, do it. Nobody will know. And then we do it, and he's like, I can't believe you call yourself a Christian. That's just, how, that's just the way it works. And he will continue to beat you down until you feel like you've gone too far and there's nothing you can do to be remedied. But we forget that we have been given a new heart and a new life and we are acting contrary to the way that we are now. We're just choosing to plug into the wrong power source. This is what he wants for us. He wants for us to see the good news, to always see the good news, to always see him, to always look for him, to always strive to be obedient to him, to always allow him to work and live through us. He wants to restore our vision because some of us have seen and done things for so long that we feel trapped and like we can't get out. And he wants to clean your spiritual glasses again so that you can see the way that the Holy Spirit wants you to see. I want to finish with this. I've got a couple more things I want to share with you. He wants us to be able to see which outlet that we're plugging into. He wants us to see what we're plugging into. And I, was, I, I firmly believe that some of us, maybe many of us, are plugged into things that we don't realize are bad for us. So what do we do? Again, we look for God. We look for God in things. We look for God's direction in things. We ask the question, is God pleased with this? Is God directing me here? Is this where God wants me to be? If you ask that question, you're going to get an answer. You will get an answer. So he wants you to see where you're plugged into. And if you can see clearly that it is God that you're plugged into, but that you still 
struggle because there are temptations coming your way, I encourage you to look for God in that temptation. What are you saying, William, that God's offering up that temptation? No, I'm not. I'm saying that within that temptation, God has promised a way out. So when you're tempted, you look for God. You look for God. You don't look that it is good for food and pleasing to the eye, as Eve did. Because what Adam and Eve could have done, when they did what they did, they could have asked for forgiveness. They could have said, we're sorry. What can we do to make this right? What can we do? But instead, and instead of going back to their power source, they chose something else of the world. They went and made aprons of leaves to cover their nakedness. They went and made clothes instead of going back and making things right. So in the middle of our temptation, look to God. God, where are you? And God is more than likely. I can just see him. I can just see him over near a door saying, come this way, this way, hurry, come this way. Because any other way is the wrong way. So look, look for God. And next, he wants to cleanse our hearts from Satan's deep secrets. He wants to cleanse our hearts from those things that Satan has offered up to us to see and to hear and to do. Because these are the things that hold us back and drag us down, are they not? So here's what you do. Here's what you do. Those things that when you think about your life and what you're doing right or wrong, and those, those things that you looked at that you know you shouldn't have, those websites that you went to that you know you shouldn't have visited, those things that you listened to that you know you shouldn't have, those movies, those TV programs, those things that are evil, that we are supposed to avoid even the appearance of evil, those things that you have done to other people, those thoughts that you have had about other people, because those things come back. And sometimes those things come back so strongly they get us all riled up again, and we end up going back to those places. Here's what we've got to do. We've got to go find a quiet place. And we've got to realize that God is there with us. And we have to take those things. We have to hand them to Him. God, I'm sorry I, I've watched this. Take this thought, this remembrance of this, this memory from me. Take it from me. These are the depths of Satan that I was never intended to see or hear or know. By your own word, you said that. And also by your word, you said, cast your cares upon me. Give me your burdens. What are your burdens? What burdens do you have? What burdens have you been carrying your whole life? He says, bring them to me. Bring them to me. I want you to stand. And as you stand, I want you to bow your head. And I want you to close your eyes. And I believe that there are people here who have burdens. And I believe that in the moment of understanding that, in the moment of hearing the truth of God, that we have plugged into a source that we weren't supposed to, and we have taken in things that we weren't supposed to take in, that this is an opportunity for us to talk to God about that. God, take this from me. Take this desire from me. Take this thought, this picture, this feeling, from me do you believe he can do it I want you to answer do you believe he can do it do you want him to do it then all that's left for you to do is in faith 
Go to him and tell him that's what you want. Don't stand on the sidelines. Don't hide. Do it. Do it here. Do it at home. But do it. Do it. Don't let Satan cause your vision to stumble or falter so that you can't see where you're clearly plugging into. And do not plug into the wrong source. Plug into the only true source that you were created. The only true source that you were created to plug into. Okay, before we uh, pray and dismiss, I uh, just want to let you know that this it's, it's coming time for us to nominate deacons again this year. And next Sunday, we will be nominating deacons.